it is because God is faithful. That is why we're here this morning. Amen. Amen. You better believe it is because of the faithfulness of God that you live, you move, and have your being. Family, JCC fam, welcome back to Beyond Reality. We are in this series now for the sixth week, and we have been going through the book of Isaiah. Uh, We began in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah learns that faith starts when it dies. Whatever you're depending upon, whatever you're leaning upon, when it dies, then faith can begin. We also learned that faith thrives the best on inside information. God doesn't want us to live on common information. God wants us to live on inside information. God wants you to know it before it happens. We also learned that faith needs to understand that what helps today may hurt tomorrow. And then we looked at another important concept that is, You must be able to give word flesh in your life. In other words, is your life a seedbed for the truth of God? We also understood last week in particular, you got to maintain the language of faith. Things around you may change, but your language got to stay the same. I know you speak Bahasa, I know you speak English, but uh, you got to speak faith and ease, no matter what you're going through. Uh, today, we are going to conti- continue this series, Beyond Reality. And for those who are here for the first time, I- I'm simply trying to uh, help us to see that if we're really going to live the life of faith, we got to be able to live beyond the realities we're facing. And I know we're in realities right now. We're in a, condem- in, we're in a pandemic that is still pandemic. You're struggling with bills, I know. You're still single, I know. You're wondering what the future is going to look like. That is your reality. But faith says, I don't live in those situations. I live looking at my God. And in particular today, we are going to study Isaiah chapter 9. And this is what I need you to be thinking about as we're getting into this text this morning. In the course of life. You're going to deal with loss. You're going to lose a loved one. You're going to lose a job. You're going to lose an investment. You may lose motivation. How do you live beyond the loss? Isaiah chapter 9 is going to help us this morning. Please stand with me as we read God's word together this morning. And I got to, I got to operate and work with 40 minutes this morning. I'm going to try. Pray for me, y'all. <clears throat> the text says, and if you got it, say, Pastor, we got it. Oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> do you got it or do you got it? Pastor, we got it. Ooh, I like it. I like it. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he, God, brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Watch this. 
You have multiplied the nation. God is a multiplier. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. God is all about increase and multiplication, y'all. They rejoice before you as with you at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In other words, whatever has been beating you down, God is going to make it fuel for fire to warm you up. I love this verse. We know this verse. For unto us a child is born. Mm. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Some things should never end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Watch this, watch this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Today, God reclaims something greater. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. In your mighty name, I pray. Speak to somebody, help somebody, liberate somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Reclamation is everywhere. We are stranded, said Bapak Zabeni. Bapak Zabeni is like many fishermen who operate in the Jakarta Bay. To make a living. But as developers have been reclaiming more of the land in the Jakarta Bay, Bapak Zabeni and his colleagues are stranded more and more. Pantai Indal Kapuk is taking away their fishing grounds. Money is tight. Governor Annis in 2017 said, all reclamation is going to stop. But after the election, it has continued. What is funny is that the government is a major shareholder in this reclamation. Sometimes it appears to me that the powerful... Governments will do projects that do not benefit many, but benefit the little, the rich, and the few. Perhaps you have been there, that you have poured your energies into the company, but your paycheck is still the same. Perhaps it's that parent who has given everything to their kid, put them through school, and now the kid don't, don't call, the kid don't visit. Perhaps it is a girlfriend who's given everything to the boyfriend and he is going with somebody else. Or it is that boyfriend who's been so faithful 
Don't talk to any other girls. Picks you up on time, but you have chosen his best friend. Sometimes we pour our energies into stuff, but all we end up with is more loss, more devastation, and more heartbreak. In the text that we read, God is involved in a reclamation project. The text begins in this way. There will be no gloom for her that was in anguish. When God reclaims something, he reclaims it for those who are in anguish. He reclaims it for those who are heartbroken. He reclaims it for those who feel betrayed. He reclaims it for those who find it difficult to move on after all their energies have been poured in it. The text continues in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Zebulon and Naphtali were in Israel Utara. They were northmost in the promised land. And when the Assyrians attacked, they were the territories that were hit first. They got the biggest blows. They got the biggest devastation. They took the brunt of the force. The Assyrians decided to reclaim Naphtali and Zebulon for themselves. And Tiglath-Pileser III decided to, to reclaim the territory and change the names. He came up, Putra, with three new provinces. The first province was Dor. Uh, not your door, but Dor. The second province was Megiddo. And the third province was Transjordan. And I just want to imagine that uh, when the Assyrians uh, set up shop in Naphtali and Zebulon, the culture of Naphtali and Zebulon was eroded. They no longer could go on the street and find uh, the Nasi Uduk version of Naphtali and Zebulon. They only found the Assyrian version. They no longer heard people using Naphtali and Zebulun language. All they heard was the Assyrian version. And they're saying, what has happened to us? We, we have lost our territory. Perhaps you also are right here today. You have lost your territory. Something that was yours is no longer yours. You have been hit hard. You have been devastated. You don't understand what's going on. You, you, you work hard to come up with the, with the report. And you're supposed to report to the CEO. But the day before you got sick. And somebody else reported. And they got promoted. You pay for the venue. You put a down payment on it. Uh, but somehow your money became tight. And somebody else who was eyeing the same venue. And not only paid the down payment. But they put the full payment. And they got it. You were promised. Because of the amount of hours you're putting into the office. 
you're going to be promoted. You are told by your boss, you're going to be the host of this event. But when the time came, you were not promoted and you were not the host. You've invested your money. Going to Singapore, going to Malaysia, going to the best hospitals. And your cancer was in remission and your disease was gone. But today it's back with a vengeance. Losing territory that was yours. Losing territory that you thought you're going to build something on. Losing territory that you thought that's your life. But it's not there anymore. It can be painful to lose territory that you owned. It can be painful. But you know what's painful? More painful? It's more painful when you have lost the territory because of the choices you've made. See, see sometimes we, 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 we lose something because we can't control our temper or we can't control the words of our mouth. Sometimes you don't get the promotion, not because you're not good at your job, but you just don't know how to keep time. Sometimes you lose the relationship, not because you're not lovable, but simply because you're not willing to let go of that, that habit that you know is wreaking havoc on your situation. The people of Naphtali and Zebulun, listen to me, Sister Lara, they lost their territory not because God was so mean, but because God understood, unless I take it away from them, they'll never notice me. They'll never see me. They'll never understand me. So God had to take it away because you know why? They, they chose to lean on fortune tellers than God. They chose to lean on necromancers than God. In other words, they sought guidance, Dickie, from somebody else more than uh, other than God. And this is a funny thing, Sister Sharon. When it didn't work out, they pointed the finger at God. Isn't that like some of us? <laughs> when things don't work out, we start to point the finger at God. God, you, you promised me the good life, but I'm not getting a good life. You lied, God. <laughs> when the promotion hasn't come as we expected, when... When, when we haven't traveled where we need to go as we, we expected, uh, no, God doesn't love me enough. God doesn't care about me enough. But please understand something, that you are simply, <laughs> you are simply a tenant in every territory you own. Your residence on the territory depends on your obedience to the Lord of the land. Amen, somebody. You thought you, you, you got the job because you went to OE? <laughs> No, that's not how you got the job. God gave you the brains to study in UE. And therefore somebody saw you went to UE and you got the job. You feel me? Don't, don't get it twisted that it's your abilities and your capabilities that are getting you what you have. No, it's because God has blessed you. It's because God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. It's because God has given you certain gifts and certain talents. And, and therefore, anything you have, you're simply a tenant. And your, your occupancy depends on your obedience uh, to the Lord. You see, 
What I love about this text is that this text um, shows something beautiful because it says that even though Zebulun and Naphtali lost the territory, Brother Johan, God says in the, in the, in the latter time, you, you lost it in the past. <laughs> you lost it in the past, but in the future, you are going to get it back. Amen, somebody. You see, I'm glad, I'm glad that, that God doesn't operate with me based upon what I did last year. <laughs> Some of us, we're still stuck on what they did last year. Mm? Therefore, we're not willing, willing to move forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm, you know that cousin? <laughs> when we went to the family party, <laughs> you know what they said to me? I can never invite them. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> when you will let it go? But I'm glad that, that God doesn't stick to what happened in the past. Because in that season, in my past time, God knew that I need to put him in this place. But I, I, I don't want them to stay there. I want them to be here. So, so God doesn't, doesn't operate or treat me the same way in every season. In a particular season, God might have kept me and promoted and married and popular. But it doesn't mean that in the next season, I'm going to say the same thing. Amen, somebody? Yeah, your amens are weak today, but that's all right. I'm going to say amen for you. Amen. I'm glad that God is a forward-moving God. Oh, uh, maybe let me say it like this. You like it better. God is, uh, how do we say it? We say it here in, um, when, when it's Merdeka. What do we say? We say, Indonesia, my Jew. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He, that's how God functions. He, he, he's not looking back in 1945 when we declared independence in Indonesia. God is saying, no, no, that was 1945. I'm interested in 2023. And therefore, you and I, as long as we're moving together, I'm going to get you to what you need. I'm going to get you to what you want. I'm going to get you to the place that you need to be elevated at. Walk with me. Move with me. Travel with me. And you're going to get there. Amen, somebody. So God says, in the latter time, I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it better. Now, let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you went to the salon this week, ladies? Anybody went to the salon? You still afraid of COVID? All right, now that's cool. How many of you went to the to the barbershop this week? Okay, nobody, nobody wants to raise your hand. No, no, it's all right. I'm I'm gonna speak about myself. I, I went to the barbershop this week. Can, can you see? Can, can you see? If you saw me on Tuesday, you'd have seen my head nappy. Indonesians are like nappy. What is nappy? Nappy is when a black man has a bad hair day. <laughs> Nappy is when you see his head looking like little bushes. Uh, are we together now? <laughs> so this week my head was, was nappy. <laughs> uh, this week my head wasn't looking good. So I said, I cannot go in the pulpit and look nappy. No, no, I got to go straighten it out. So I went to the barbershop, and the barbershop turned my nappiness into a good hair day. Are you feeling what I'm saying? I'm trying to let somebody know that God is able to turn glory into shame. God is able to take a bad situation and make it a good situation. God is able to take an F and make it into an A. God is able to take a demotion and make it into a promotion. God is able to take barrenness and make it into a pregnancy. Are we together here? So your state and your situation 
is not impossible for God. It is impossible for you, I understand. It doesn't make sense for you, I understand. But that's cool because you and I are human beings. But you and I must look to God. We must say, you know what? Though my situation looks messed up, it doesn't look good. But I know that God is going to change it. I understand that God is going to make it different and make it look better. We need to sing like John Riddick when he says, All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. So I should join the, the praise team. No, I'm not saying I want to join the praise team, but I'm just saying. But let me tell somebody, when you feel like it's lost, you got to look at Jesus. You got to say, oh, my, my hopes are found on him. He is my living hope. He's going to turn my situation around. He will know how to, to take my contempt and make it into, into glory. He will know how to make me look better and look different. And what I love about this text is that Matthew is good to help us to understand exactly how God turned the situation around for Zebulun and Naphtali. Because Matthew tells us like this. Now when he, Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Let me let somebody know. Zebulun and Naphtali became the command center, the epicenter, HQ for the ministry of Jesus. Little Jesus grew up in Zebulun and Naphtali. Little Jesus, uh, when he became bigger, he started to work with his father at the country shop, at the, at the carpentry shop in, in Zebulun and Naphtali. Little, little, little Jesus, when when he grew up, his first miracle was performed in Naphtali and Zebulun. Peter walked on water in this region. Are you understand what I'm saying? So the point is this. God was able to reclaim Naphtali and Zebulun through Jesus. Elder Evil got it. You all missed it. So I'm going to drop it to you right now. They lost, Brother Gusto, their territory. When Jesus is born, the Romans are occupying the land. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So they never got it back physically. <laughs> they got it back spiritually. They got it back in a better fashion. Because God says, I'm going to do you one better. I'm not going to put here a human king who is going to die. I'm going to put here a king who is going to die but come back to life. He's going to go to heaven and bring you back to him, with him back to heaven. So I'm going to reclaim something for you in a much, 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 much better way. You see, we got it twisted. Because when we want God to reclaim what we've lost... We say, God, I got fired today. I not only want to get my job, but make me the CEO of the company. That's going to make me feel like it's been reclaimed. Yes, God, I got dumped the other day. Please bring a good person in my life and help me to go to the altar. 
I'm going to feel like it's been reclaimed. So, so you, 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 you and I, we focus on the tangible. You and I, we focus on the physical. But in God's eyes, whatever has been reclaimed, reclaimed is reclaimed best when God is now the, the command center. When God is now the center of the person's life. Because at that particular place, Sister Kardika, you can never lose it again. Oh, <laughs> I've worked hard for that one. You could have helped me out with an amen. <laughs> See, I know you're striving to do it. I know you're striving to achieve. But without God, the day you die, you've lost everything. Are, are you feeling what I'm saying? I know you're striving to look good. <laughs> but, but the moment you put your shirt, Bernard, in the... In the, in, the, in, the, in the washing machine, and you forget to separate whites <laughs> from colors, and you put that bleach, <laughs> that shirt you work hard to get, what's going to happen? It's going to be bleached. No longer usable. But when you give God a chance, whatever you lose today, it is just but for a moment. And what I love about the story of Naphtali and Zebulun is that they became the command center of, uh, of, of Jesus. And that's how they became greater than what they were. And today somebody it needs to be a command center for Jesus. Somebody needs to be a command center for love. People need to look at you and say, well, I've never seen a loving person like this person. Can I know your secret? Well, I have known somebody called Jesus. <laughs> today God wants somebody to be a command center of peace. When you get around here, people just know how to get along. Can you tell me your secret? Well, I got a friend called Jesus. So when you and I make Jesus the center of it all, then we truly, truly, truly become great. Where do we get bigger armbone from? Do you guys know? Come again. Yeah, we get it from Maidan. But I, I want to take it a little further. So let me connect, Elder Donald. Where do we get croissants from? You're going to say France. <clears throat> Where do we get burgers from? Or Burger King? All oh, those answers are wrong. Bika Ambon comes from flour. Croissants come from? The burgers come from? Let me put it like this. Whatever you have lost, make it a flower. Consider it a flower that God can turn around and produce something beautiful from it. Consider it something that God can manipulate and make something great from it. And that is why the people of Zebulun became the command center of Jesus Christ. Because they said, you know what? God has promised that he's going to do something for us. He's going to do something through us. Therefore, we're going to wait for him to bake and cook whatever he wants to cook. And God says, I'm going to cook the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to cook your salvation. I'm going to cook your help. I'm going to cook your assistance. You've lost a job. That's cool. Wait for God to cook something up. You've been kicked out of the group? That's cool. Wait for God to cook something up. You've lost that expensive iPhone? <laughs> Don't go buy another one real quick. 
And I know apple care is quite expensive. We forgot to cook something up. And that's how God is able to reclaim something greater when we give him whatever it is that we have lost. You see, verses 2 to number 7 of the passage explain to us, Elder Revo, how God is able to claim something greater from whatever has been lost. I need you to look at this passage like a pregnancy reveal. You know, when people are pregnant, they will do all kind of interesting things to announce that they are pregnant. A buddy of mine two years ago, he called me. He says, you're going to be an uncle. I said, what? <laughs> an uncle? Oh, I got it. I'm a, oh, oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah. But congratulations, bro. So when we reveal pregnancies, we do it in strange ways, in interesting ways, creative ways or whatever whatever it is and this particular text is also a pregnancy revelation and uh, but i need you to understand that, that when the bible reveals pregnancies it doesn't do it like us with creativity and and with all kind of interesting ideas no the bible follows a specific pattern and the pattern is this an unsolved difficulty when you look at the text you find that the people are dealing with difficulties Notice what the text says. Uh, they are walking in darkness, but now they see a great light. Now, you need to understand that when you read this language, this is the language that we are introduced to in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, the, the, the Bible says in verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then verse 3 says, and the Lord said, let there be light. So now the text is saying, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. What the text is trying to help us to understand, their difficulty is so bad, Fika, that God has had to perform a creative action. They cannot turn darkness to light by themselves. The second difficulty that they're facing is that they're under oppression. I already told you that the Assyrians have overtaken their land. Their Assyrians are more powerful and strong than them. So God has had to do something miraculous to deliver them. And he has had to do it like he did it on the day of Midian. You know on the day of Midian, right? Gideon and his 300. God used this small band to deliver his people. A miraculous sign and, and, and action. And the point of the text is trying to help us understand is that the people are in such a bind that they cannot get out of it by themselves. And please understand that you and I cannot get out of our binds unless, watch this, we give God a call. Unless God gets a phone call. I know some of you are good at calling your parents when you need the money. You're good at calling your friend when there's a problem in the ship, relationship, friendship, partnership. You're good at calling your pastor when you need prayer. But I'm here to contend that some things... Some things cannot change unless you give God a call. We didn't get light until Thomas Edison got a call. We're not able to fly until the Wright brothers got a call. 
We're not able to use a telephone until Alexander Graham Bell got a call. So please understand that some of the things you're dealing with, some of the issues are so difficult that unless you give God a call, it ain't going to change. The addiction will remain addiction unless God gets a call. The anger will be anger unless God gets a call. The, the, the pride will be pride unless God gets a call. The, the, the debt will be debt unless God gets a call. So the people are in a difficult situation. It's hard. And I know somebody, it's hard right now. Sister Irma is scratching her head saying, Pastor, your sermon is hard for me. Difficult right now. So life can be, can be hard. But unless we give God a call, things will not change. But now notice that when we have understood what it is, what's the difficulty, when we're talking about a pregnancy revelation in the Bible, uh, now God says, I have a baby to solve it. <laughs> Notice what the text says in verse number six. The people are dealing with darkness and they are they're in bondage. It's, it's difficult. And, and the text says, unto us a baby is born. To us a child is given. Now, you, you, you got to think about this sometimes when you're reading the scriptures because sometimes it can just flabbergast you. When I read this, I said, wait a minute. God, the people are dealing with darkness and oppression. And you are saying that a baby is going to solve that? How is a baby to take care of, of their problems and their situation? Are you feeling what I'm saying? Don't you have the same tension in, in your heart? You know what I mean? Suppose you, you, <laughs> suppose you go to the pastor and says, Pastor, I'm having problems at home. And then the pastor says, just smile at the baby. It's going to be solved. Don't make no sense, right? Sister Lara, when the, the cases are difficult, uh, you just go to your, to your youngest one says, please help me. She'll look at you and says, mommy, play with me and give me food. <laughs> how, how does a baby solve a problem? But this is what God is trying to tell you and I. You see, God can solve our adult-like problems with baby solutions. God needs you and me to understand that our problems are so small that he can send a baby to take care of it. Oh, I'm working. I hear you. Uh, a company was struggling, Brother Jeff, to send their, 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 their boxes out with full contents. So sometimes when the packages are delivered to stores, some of the packages, guess what? They were empty. So you can, you can imagine, this was a frustrating. You know what I mean? Difficult. Because there was a lot of back and forth and money was spent. So the CEO of the company says, we got to solve this. So he hired a firm and the firm says, you know what? We need to put a sensor on the conveyor belt. And once we put the sensor on the conveyor belt, it's going to detect which boxes are empty. And then you can take it out. So one day, the CEO is walking in the company. And as he's walking in the company, he sees that there are boxes. In fact, he, he tripped over one of them. He sees that there are boxes around. So he called his manager. He says, uh, wh wh why are these boxes here? He says, oh, so actually, watch this. Actually, the sensor you paid for $500,000 is a problematic sensor. Because anytime we detect an empty box, the conveyor belt stops. And then we have to manually take out <laughs> the box. A lot of the workers are frustrated because of that. 
So one of our workers came up with a solution. And this is the solution. He took a fan and then he put it by the conveyor belt. So anytime an empty box is, is passing by, the fan simply blows it, blows it off. And the conveyor belt never stops. You know how much the fan cost? $12. They paid, the CEO paid $500,000. But the fan only costs $12,000. I'm trying to help somebody today. Some of your solutions are not $5,000. You don't need $500,000 solutions. You only need $12 solutions. Your problems are so simple in the eyes of God. That if you only approach him, he will figure it out in no time. You don't have to go to so many people. You don't have to consult this one and that one. All you need to say, God, I have an issue. Please do something about it. God will say, okay, I got a solution for you. We are struggling, some of us. We are stressing, some of us, when God is saying, I will take care of you and take care of it if you trust me and believe in me. So what is it that is struggling? and I mean, what is it that is troubling you today? And challenging you today. That God can solve just like that. That can just change it just like that. But you see, I'm glad. I'm ending, I'm ending. I'm glad that this baby was not just a regular baby. Because the Bible says that this baby, <laughs> this baby became a wonderful counselor. He became a mighty God. He became an everlasting father. He became a prince of peace. In other words, the solution that God gives you expands and it grows and it becomes great. It may seem simple. You may not understand it. But when God gets involved, he starts to make it something grand and something powerful. Let me talk about this baby for a moment. Of the increase of his government and of, the, of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the hill the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this we know this baby as jesus christ the god who became a human being the god who defeated death by dying on the cross The God who glorified God by becoming a human being. God solved humanity's problems through a baby. You know that? What is your issue that God cannot solve? You see, God wants to reclaim great things from your life. He wants to change your life. But it will begin, it will begin at the doorstep of Jesus. I know you want a happy home. It begins at the doorstep of Jesus. God wants to reclaim your health for you to be strong. It begins at the doorstep of Jesus. God wants you to thrive. It begins at the doorstep of Jesus. God wants you to have faith. But it begins at the doorstep of Jesus. And you might say, Pastor, wait a minute. I have already stepped in the doorstep of Jesus. I've given my life over to Jesus. I've been a Christian for 10 years already. 
I don't need to go back there. Are you sure? How is your pride today? Are you more humble today than you were 10 years ago? <laughs> How is your attitude towards your family members today? <laughs> are you loving to them or are you saying, man, this one always gets on my nerves. I can't wait for them to leave the house and I'm going to show them what I'm about. <laughs> what about those addictions? You're struggling to quit. Yeah, you're a believer. You come to church. But you're struggling. You come to church, but you doubt if God loves you or not. Whether you are a Christian beginning today or you've been in the game for 10 years, you still got to be at the doorstep of Jesus. God wants to change things. God wants to do things. But it only happens when God is the, when Jesus is the center of your life, when he is the one moving and working in your life. And some of us, Jesus, as Elder Irwin was talking about this earlier, uh, we only know Jesus on Sabbath, occasionally. But if we want things to change, we will need to appreciate Jesus a little bit more. Uh, let, me, let me squeeze it on this. Uh, the musicians can be coming. Let me squeeze it on this. I'm done. Let me squeeze it on this. Yesterday I went to farmer's market and I bought me nice. Because sometimes I get sniffles on my nose. Sometimes, sometimes, I get tears in my eyes. So I need tissue to clean me up. So I did a little digging. I said, how, how do they produce Mr. Nice? I learned that Mr. Nice comes from shredded or used printing paper. You know the printing paper that you printed, your, your paper that you got an F on and you throw it in the trash? It's collected by nice makers and they make Mr. Nice. So it clicked in my head that these creators of Mr. Nice take what has been destroyed, what has been thrown away, they reclaim it and produce Mr. Nice. That's what God wants to do for somebody. Today you may feel like this piece of paper, used up and abused. Today you may feel like you have lost things, but God wants to make you nice. He wants to make you great again. And it begins when you say, I love Jesus. For somebody, that means giving your life over to Jesus. That means Baptism. We're going to have baptism next month, at the end of the month. You're going to be a part of that. For somebody, it simply means I'm going to be faithful to the Lord each and every day. I want God to reclaim something greater from me. I'm tired of being in a state of loss. I want God to change me. Is that you this morning? I want God to reclaim something greater in my life. Let me see by a show of hands. I want God to reclaim something greater in my life. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Uh, mighty Father. Today we have heard your word and we've been challenged to know that you can reclaim something great from what has been lost. Somebody's lost today, Father. We are praying you reclaim them for you. Somebody's struggling today, Lord. I pray you may reclaim them for you. I ask for your blessing of our lives. Guide us today, Lord. 
For this we humbly pray and we plead in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I believe that that word did something in your heart and it spoke to you. And I just want to encourage you that you respond to it. Do not delay. God loves you more than he loves life itself. And Jesus died to prove it. And we as a ministry at Facts Alive believe that this is our mission. We want to help you to know Jesus better and to know him more clearly and to love him more dearly. The number is on the screen. Kindly text us, kindly write to us or call us and we'll be more than happy to help you. Perhaps you need prayer, you need encouragement, you need counseling. Please also reach out. We are available for you to help you. And if the Lord has inspired you to give and to partner with us in ministry, the number is also on the screen and you can simply give whatever the Lord has put on your heart to work and partner with us. May God bless you and take care. I will see you very soon. Thank you.